Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. The title of this morning's message I don't know why I'm so emotional about all this, is caring for all of you. But to be a kid again, ever thought about that, dreamt about that, what it would be like to be a kid again? I'd want to be the best baseball player, the best basketball player. I'd I'd probably want to be six foot three. I don't know about you. I'm sure you have dreams of what you would like to be if you were a kid again. I want to be everything. A tennis player. I played tennis for 30 years. Golf. I'd like to be the best golfer. Probably would like to be with a mom and dad that I know absolutely love me and raise me up in the things of God. I'm sure you have a lot of desires and dreams if you just think about it again. What would it be like to be a kid again? C.S. Lewis said, children have one kind of silliness, as you know, and grown-ups have another kind. James Baldwin said, children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Uh, Dr. Zhu said, we all listen to him, adults are just outdated children. One said, if you've never been hated by your child, you've never been a parent. Walt Disney said, growing old is mandatory, but growing up is optional. I like that one, but I like this one better. This is my favorite. We don't stop playing because we grow older. We grow older because we stop playing. Yeah. My wife said we had seven kids, or six of them are going to grow up. <laughs> See, it's optional. <laughs> well, there are many reasons why to want to be a kid again, but we're going to begin with three things this, this morning. One is God's love for kids and what he commands us to say to kids, and then he tells every adult in here, you must become a kid. I'm substituting kid for child in order to enter the kingdom of God. So, Father, please continue to rain down your favor upon your church and upon your servant and upon the listeners and upon those gazing in on this message this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God loves kids. Jesus loves the children. In Matthew 19, well, actually, let me read the passage beginning in Matthew 18. I have in my Bible. I want, I'm, I'm starting to bring my Bible along with my computer so technology and the written word can be seen. And, and I pray that you might get used to that because there's just something special about underlining in a book. I never thought I would transition from a book to technology because I used to prepare three messages a week when I started back in 1986. 
And you, we, I'd have a table full of encyclopedias, dictionaries, messages. And I thought, well, I'll never give that, that up. Yellow pads. And now one computer has it all. All on one computer. But there's something special about the Bible and about having your own and highlighting it and underlining in it. Well, in Matthew 18, 1 through 6, God has something to say about children. He said in Matthew 18, he said, And that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? He called the little child and had him stand among them, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change... He's talking to adults now. Unless you change, become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever, harm, or whoever humbles himself, like this little child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me, to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. That's what Jesus thinks about kids, those who have yet come to him, and those who have already come to him to be Lord and Savior. God loves the little kids. Actually, in Matthew 19, he further amplifies this by telling us, again, the disciples brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. That's where, what we did this morning. But the disciples rebuked the families for bringing their infants and children unto the Lord. And Jesus responded as he rebuked them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Well, a little bit of a historical perspective of children back then and even now. In the Greco-Roman world, children, especially infants, were thought very little of. Children were viewed, as far as scholars tell us, not adults. And they didn't have much value. As adults did. In fact, <clears throat> they didn't have value until they could possibly help out with the family business or the family farm. And in Luke's account, he seems to be pointing this out when he said that he believes they were bringing even infants to Jesus. Yes, infants. Children were thought so little of in the Roman world that infanticide and Children abandonment were rampant. Even in our own day, we have the problem of abortion, which is masked by the slogan, a woman's rights. All of us men who are married are for women having rights. But we're not for a woman having the right to take a life of a child. Praise God for the courage that our Supreme Court had in handing down, handing down to all of us who have been praying for years and years to reverse Roe versus Wade 
and we got that. Now we need to pray for our governors in each state so that we will have godly governors who will continue to have the courage, what a Supreme Court had the courage to do, to reverse Roe versus Wave. Let's give God a praise clap for that this morning. We have been, many of you have been praying for that for years. God loves the infants. The disciples didn't quite understand that at that time. They saw the throng of families and parents bringing their children and even their infants to Jesus, and they just, they rebuked them. Not only were children disposable then, as they are now, but there's some other problem that we have, and that is the parenting style. I'm just going to bring up one style that um, I do not believe uh, pleases the Lord and will not help your children. That parenting style is an authoritative parent. Now, off the bat, that sounds good. But here's how it's described when I checked it out with technology. Authoritative parenting is encouraging modern America. This parenting style values mutual respect and cooperation between parents and children. Most of us would agree with that. But authoritative parenting advocates treating children as equal as mom and dads. I don't know about you, when I grew up, every man and woman, my dad said, you say Mr. or Mrs. Or it was aunt or uncle. Or it was even friends who were very close family friends became what? Aunts and uncles. Today, that's thrown out the window like the Model T Ford. Now, I'm not saying you're absolutely wrong if you allow your children to call someone by the first name, but That's the era that I grew up in. I believe that's what Jesus is encouraging them to do. But too many mamas want to be friends with their daughters. Too many daddies want to be buddies and friends with their child instead of being a parent. This is not a class on parenting at this time. But treating your child as an equal is not in the cards in God's plans. They are your child. They are to be obedient to mom and dad until the age of accountability, and then they're accountable to God. Well, the Christians have a little bit different view than the world does about children. We know that God loves the kids. Christians have always been very different in their view of treatment of children. We're counterculture in that way. And the West has benefited from this. Of course, there are still lingering effects of care, love, and respect for children, though it's waning in our day of rampant abortion and child pornography. But where does this value of children by Christians come from? It comes from Christ's view of children. Another passage in Scripture, Luke 18 Beginning in verse 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And again, when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me. I know we're reemphasizing this, but these are different passages that talk about the same thing. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. We'll unpack that in a moment. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it. 
No greater blessing can a child have than the blessing of Christ. Parents today see to it that their child is in everything from soccer to baseball to school activities. And parents generally feel that these activities will benefit the child greatly, and I agree. But the greatest benefit a child could ever have is to be blessed by Jesus Christ. I believe today God has blessed and will bless these parents who brought their child before God and asked Jesus to bless them. I believe that is coming to pass. For such is the kingdom of God. We and children need to be like Jesus. Here's a couple passages. Actually, let me just quote one. And we, we actually prayed that for the children who were dedicated this morning. And I've prayed this over my children all their lives, what we prayed in Luke 2.52. This is the only thing we really know about Jesus besides one other passage. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Only one God didn't bless in our family was stature. They're kind of smaller, not real big. No, it doesn't mean height. It does not necessarily mean height. It means in, in standing with people, stature. And so God, I, I am the recipients. I am, I am so humbled, my wife and I, that we're the recipients of six children that have married in the Lord and are serving God and four are in the ministry. I, I, just, I just can't. I just, I'm in awe of what God decided to do through the Bramus family. He has answered that prayer for us. I believe that prayer is there for any mom and dad to claim for their child or their grandchild. But we and God view children differently than the world. Psalms 127.3 that I alluded to earlier this morning reads this way. Children are a heritage from the Lord, an offspring, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, our children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. As you realize, many Americans only like to have one or two babies. As you realize in China, they're told they can only have one child. So evidently, they have a different view than God. We have a different view than they do. God loves kids. But God said, unless we become like a kid again, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. Before we get to that portion, let me remind you that God has given us some commands concerning kids. There are a lot of them, but I want to focus in on mainly the teaching aspect found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I love the book of Deuteronomy, and he reminds us, parents, <clears throat> what we should do. Remember, when we get married, I always repeat these passages found in Malachi. It is God's desire for the mom and dad to give back a godly offspring. That is his purpose in reproduction. Not for you just to have children, but that you would have godly children. Now I want to remind you, perhaps you're a mom or dad looking in this morning on this message. Perhaps you didn't do right. Perhaps you got saved at an older age. And you were not privy to all that is spelled out in Scripture. You can always repent. You can always go back to your kids and say, you know what? Daddy didn't know it, 
I, I, I didn't go to school for this. No one taught me this. But I want to tell you, I've learned some things that I didn't do right. Would you forgive me? And would you, would you let me become a real dad or real mom to you? You can do that. It can make a difference. It can change your son or your daughter's life, even if you did not raise your children properly. But here's how we should do from the get-go. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, these are the commands and decrees. Now, he gave this to Israel, remember, specifically. But remember, we are the offspring of Abraham, so this is for you and me too. These are the commands and decrees and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping some, no, all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. This is one of the promise as a rule, as a rule, one of the promises that God gives when you raise your children in the Lord. He continues, hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Most Jewish people know this, and most of us Americans and non-Jews understand this is a precious, precious passage to the Jewish people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today, here, listen, parents, are to be on your hearts and press them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. I, I took this literally. My wife and I took this literally everywhere we went. And I'm talking about almost every single place we went. In the car. It was always a time to sit and talk to my children about their role in the world in their next activity they were to partake in. We would go back and forth from sports to football, to baseball, to God, to sports, to football, to eating. We had a lot of fun. But I took this passage very seriously. Why? I never knew when God might take what is rightfully his. You see, Corey Ten Boom said, I learned not to hold my hand so tightly that God has to pry my fingers loose to get at what is his. They're his. And I wanted to make sure they knew him before the age of accountability. So at the age of accountability, and I don't know when that is. I can't tell you when that is. That's why it behooves you from day one to begin to train your children up in the Lord. Begin reading those Bible stories to your children. God asks you to do that. Not only does he ask you to do it, he commands you to do that in love. It's one of the greatest secrets behind raising godly kids. Do it everywhere, not just in church, so that they see living for God is a way of life. How can you begin? 
use their religious holidays. They're a good place to begin teaching kids about God. Exodus 12 reminds us of that. When you enter the land, the Lord will give you, as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them what Easter is about, what Christmas is about. Not according to the world, but according to the word of God. This happened to be Passover. It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, you'd explain to your kids, who passed over the houses of Israel in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshiped. They were to tell them every Passover. We could continue to celebrate the Passover, except remind him it's been fulfilled through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's a good place to begin. Now, here's one of the problems. Millennial moms and dads aren't passing on biblical worldviews to their children, according to research conducted by George Barna. Remember, Proverbs 22 tells us, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. I have seen that in my own life. My wife and I had the privilege to see that. Now, most of the parents of young children in America today, listen, if they were to die today, they would not end up in heaven. It is a bold statement stemming from his study that suggests American parents are experiencing a worldview dilemma. It says that an overwhelming majority of American parents today lack a biblical worldview, a robust faith that they can pass on to their children, which could dramatically hamper the spiritual development of the next generation. He said this, most people die with the same worldview, in essence, that they had at the age of 13. Let me repeat that to you again. Most people die with the same worldview, in essence, that they had at the age of 13. Which is why Dr. Barna is concerned and stressing the importance of sharing a Christian worldview with children. The study found that while 67% of American parents with preteens identify as Christians, only 2% possess a biblical worldview. Remember the number 13. If they don't get it by then, chances are very slim that they will get it later. Now you know why. There should be and is an emphasis on children and youth in this church and in many God-centered biblical worldview churches. That's why we had Nechi stand up here. By the way, Nechi and Alex could always use more moms and dads to come back in the back and help out with the children. If you desire that, please go to vlcministries.com website, fill out the form and say, Nechi and Alex, I'll be glad to serve one Sunday a month. 
We pour into your children, our children, my grandchildren, your grandchildren, the gospel truths. For some, this is all they'll ever get. For some, we come alongside and are assisting mom and dad in what they're already doing. But you can see how important it is before the age of 13. God loves the kids and commands parents to tell their kids about him. But here's the key thing. Remember the stats again. Most parents today don't even know God or have a biblical worldview. So what are the chances after 13 years old? This brings me to the last point this morning. God wants all of us adults to become kids again. Well, let me explain. Jesus said he likens us as children, and we must come to him like little children. In order to see God according to his word, you must become a kid again. Matthew 18, 3. Here's what Jesus said. Truly I tell you, adults, it didn't say adults there, but he's just speaking to adults, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Alexander Dumas, the great French author, you'll probably know who he is when I say this, he wrote the book, The Three Musketeers, says, how is it that little children are so intelligent and men so stupid? It must be education that does it. And I think many of us would agree with that. You see, kids love to learn new things, explore their surroundings, and to ask why or how. Their whole attitude cries, teach me. They need to know what everything means to touch and experience for themselves complete humility. They are open to what parents and teachers and other grown-ups are wanting to pour into them. And this is what Jesus is meaning when he says, change and become like little children and take the lowly position of this child. When we humble ourselves before God, we cry out with King David, in Psalms 119.33, teach me, Lord, the ways of your decrees that I may follow to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. You see, God sees even believers as children. In 3 John, it reads in verse 1 through 4, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may rejoice or that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my what? Children are walking in the truth. A childlike faith is simple. They have a large capacity to love, and their trust is usually without limit. I remember my kids saying, 
Their daddy was the biggest and strongest man alive. And if you don't feel like you're like that, go back to some old pictures and pull them out and then show them daddy was the biggest, strongest man alive. They feel the same way about God. They often would say things like, Jesus is bigger than the whole world and he can do anything. See, simplicity is the key to understanding God. When Jesus said, you must become like a child, he is meaning that we don't make things complicated. We don't add extra layers onto salvation or faith. We just accept like a child that our Father loves us. I remember receiving Jesus Christ as my Savior. No one had to convince me. Someone told me, and the Holy Spirit lit a match in me, and I all, all of a sudden discovered what you sing or have sung to your children. I've sung this, I'm, I'm not kidding, a thousand times, rocking my children to sleep, or my wife, or my grandchildren. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. How many parents saying that to their kids over and over and over again? <laughs> but Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Change is translated in many versions as converted. Unless you are converted, you will never enter the kingdom of God. We know that this is referring to a heart transformation that is only done through salvation, by faith, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The meaning is that we humble ourselves like the lowly place of a child and admit that we need salvation and we need Jesus to take over our lives. You know, I remember when I received Christ as my Savior, I didn't know the Bible, really didn't go to church most of my life. I didn't have all the facts concerning Jesus being all God and all man because I didn't need that. The Holy Spirit ignited in you and in me what he wanted us to know about him just enough so that we could cry out to him and say, Jesus, save me. You don't, if, you, if you're waiting to know all the facts, you're going to become an educated idiot. I, I don't know how electricity works, but I turn on the, the lights. I don't understand how television, you can be on the moon and through the air, all of a sudden, on our television, we can see what's happening in space. I don't understand it. But I watch TV. I look at computers. Don't wait till you understand everything about God and he answers all your questions because they'll never be answered in this lifetime and I don't know if they'll ever be answered in eternity. Accept God like a little child. I used to practice with my kids kind of like standing at the edge right here. I would teach them about faith. Oh, it's kind of spooky. When they're little, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Try doing that when they're about four or five. Now, just fall back in daddy's arms. First of all, you better have a little muscle to catch them. And I would tell them to close their eyes and fall in daddy's arms. And then teach them about faith. You're falling in the arms 
of God, the creator of heaven and earth, all things visible and invisible. What are you waiting for? He stands at the door and knocks. You must humble yourself as a little child. G. Campbell Morgan, a great commentator, preacher, said, the essential fact in the transformation Christ works is that he changes the great ones into little children. So we are not on the hook to change ourselves into little children, but Christ does it for us as we allow him to sanctify us. I don't know about you, but I go to my father all the time. I don't mean this in any rude disrespect. Daddy, father. I repeat them all in a row. Daddy, father, God, savior, because he's all that and more. But I'm his child. I act like a child. I act like a spoiled brat sometimes. I rebel against God. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. You do too. But he accepts us. I will never reject my children. And when he saved you, He knew the beginning, the middle, and the end. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You are his child now and forevermore. Humble yourselves. Okay, go ahead if you want to clap. Praise God for his blessings and his truths. Well, as we end at this time, I just want to remind you guys, please, you must humble yourselves. It's sad that so many of us wait to the last minute. I've told the story so many times, but I testify that I almost ended up dead. And when I was all balled up in a fetus position, I knew I was on the highway to hell. It's funny. I don't talk about much about God in my life around people. But all of a sudden, in that desperate moment, like a little child in a crib, cried out and whined and cried. After all the mess I made, I cried out to Jesus. He didn't ask me to make any bargains with him. He just said, surrender. And I fell on my knees behind a gas station. There was hay on the ground. I was raised a Catholic and always remember hay and a baby in a manger. That's all I knew about God and Jesus. I made my confirmation. I don't know what that meant. I made my first communion. communion. I didn't really understand what that meant. I thought there was a, a mother of God named Mary. I mean, not of Jesus, of God. How my theology was all wrong. And I just cried out. And as I testified to that Muslim working on my neck, I said, God, please, please work on him. Work on him while he's shaving me. But those blades are sharp. And when he's shaving up under here, he's really hurt me sometimes. I said, My testimony, my testimony is this. He changed me. He converted me. I didn't do anything. I didn't walk into a church. I never talked to a pastor. I didn't see any angels. I didn't feel anything. I just got up and I started walking in a different direction because God, the Holy Spirit, took me and moved me in a different direction. He changed my heart. He birthed me inside the family of God. The Holy Spirit dwelt in me and he gave me an affection for the things of God and he'll do that for anybody that says, Jesus, save me. I forgive me. He'll do the same for you today. Would you stand at this time? Oh, don't wait. Don't wait if you've never done that. Please become a child. And if you're here today, if you're here today 
and you have a child or grandchild, please continue to pray for them. Never give up that God can get a hold of their lives. You're here today, please, please begin in your home, in the car, places you play, vacation. Let it always be a time to teach your children about the Lord. So, Father, would you add your blessings about what was said this morning and what was prayed to you and what was sung to you? We adore you. We worship you. Thank you for letting me be your spokesman. But remind each parent now, they are your spokesman to somebody. It may be a smaller, smaller audience, but you're only going to hold them and me accountable for the audience you've presented before us. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.